0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where anyone and everyone who cannot bear the thought of remaining trapped in a status quo version of Christianity can find a home. Religious traditions eventually suffocate us. Empty church trends almost always leave us in the shallow end of the pool. But kingdom truth straight from God's word spiritually transforms us. And if you desire this, then you too are likely a maverick and a misfit. And now, here is our host, a Christian whose entire ministry has challenged the religious system, Jeff Lyle.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. It is a joy for me to be able to speak into your life today. Hope you are um, enjoying this season wherever you are, whoever you are. Just hope that in the midst of your pursuit of the knowledge of god to know him to love him to know he loves you i hope that in the midst of all of that he's just stretching your soul and that you're in a season of vibrancy and increase and um you know the wisdom of the lord finding you wherever you are in your in your life right now um i'm in a good season um i could not have said that um, a year ago (laughs) it was about this time last year when uh, a shaking started happening in my life, primarily because of a ministry shaking. And, um, it was ended up being the most intense, I would say probably six months, um, probably five months most intense five months of, uh, life and ministry and the negative that I've ever gone through. And I've, I've been through some doozies. I've, I've done some war in ministry before, but, um, about a year ago is when I just felt the, um, the refreshed attack of the enemy at a level I never experienced it, and um, I'm not even going to dignify it by um, you know, going into the details, but let me just tell you, a year ago, I was miserable, <laughs> and it didn't end overnight, and by the grace of the Lord, by um, some truly incredible uh, handful of Christians that came alongside and helped me, um, by um, some godly counsel uh, from Todd and Karen Smith. Uh, they're kind of like our spiritual big brother and sister they're not old enough to be our spiritual parents they're about probably five six years older than us but they really spoke into the the situation I was dealing with and then just by um, some incredible Christians that I get to do life with and um, God saw me through and um, that's it's so important that you and I recognize the cycle of seasons in our lives the younger you are the harder it is to recognize the cycles because you haven't gotten a lot of them yet. You haven't had opportunity because you haven't had enough years on the planet to really observe and experience, uh, different types of cycles. But, um, the thing that I like to tell people is whatever cycle you're in, it's a season and seasons have a beginning and they have an ending. Um, not until we escape this, earthly life and enter into the fullness of our inheritance, will we ever experience an uninterrupted season? And hallelujah, that's going to be an uninterrupted season of glory and beauty and inexpressible bliss. It's going to be awesome. But until then, um, you're going to go through cycles and seasons of life. And I've, I've found that when I can recognize what season I'm, I'm in, I'm better equipped to deal with it. Um, one of the things that Um, I want to talk about today is this issue. I've really felt like I asked the Lord, Lord, what do we want to talk about on this episode? And it wasn't, it didn't take probably five seconds. And I heard him say, address the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. Most of you are familiar with that phrase from second Timothy chapter number one, but I'm afraid we're so familiar with it that we haven't dissected it enough. And to the extent that we could possibly recognize when the spirit of fear is operating in our own lives. Um, so I do want to talk to you about that today. And let me give you a couple of things right up front. When I'm talking about the spirit of fear, I'm not reducing this topic and that phrase, the spirit of fear. I'm not reducing it to simply a timid personality or somebody that's not aggressive or somebody that struggles with making decisions. Those can, those can be symptoms of it. But and I want to be just perfectly clear on this. When I'm talking about the spirit of fear, I'm talking about one of two things. The active presence of a wicked spirit, otherwise known as a demon, that is using a weaponized fear against a Christian. So I'm either talking about the active strategy of hell via a demonic spirit enticing and inciting fear in your human faculties, or I'm talking about the after effect of an attack or an agenda like that, that an enemy can so, I call it cruise control, he can so instill something inside of somebody that he doesn't have to be proactive with it every day. And when I say he, I'm talking about an it, I'm talking about a demon that literally they can train us. And if we come into agreement with fear, and I'm going to unpack what all that might look like in the rest of the podcast. But when, when we come into agreement, the demon can actually leave because he's set in motion what is now a spirit of fear that's in our spirit. It's in our soul would probably be a better way of saying it. And so I'm talking about either a currently active engagement from a demon to provoke you to live in fear. Or when I'm talking about the other aspect of the spirit of fear, it means you've adopted fear as a major component of how you view the life and yourself and the world and God and everything in it. It becomes a lens that, that can overwhelm a person. Now, the good news is this. There's deliverance for both from both of those. There's literally deliver. You can get absolutely a hundred percent free where you will not be a prisoner of fear ever again in your life. This can happen. Sometimes it takes work. It takes, um, for some people counseling for most, it takes a, um, a moment in time where you go through deliverance, where literally you get, the, you get to the root of the issue. Where did that spirit of fear come in? When did I come into agreement with it? How do I get out of it? And how do I get God becoming big in my view so that the things that I'm afraid of become small? And those are necessary components for your victory. You cannot live a true life of spiritual victory if you're living with a spirit of fear. Now, don't be condemned by that statement because I don't want to add to the spirit of fear now. Oh, no, I'm not only dealing with the spirit of fear, but now I'm feeling condemned because of it. No, no, no. You have to diagnose an issue before you can remedy an issue. And so I'm, I'm saying that if you want victory, you're going to need to get broken from that grip of the spirit of fear. So the, the foundational verse for it, and I don't want to do a big, long Bible study. I prefer just to talk to you guys today. But when, when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul's writing a, a younger pastor, Timothy, his, his student, his pupil, his son in the faith. In 2 Timothy 1, I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 7, but it says, Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. So right off the bat, Paul says, Timothy, your flame's going dormant. You are gifted You're ministry gifted. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You're born again. You're saved. But Timothy, you are not fanning into flame that thing that's in you. You're letting it die out. You're letting it go dormant. Paul said, I was there when we laid our hands on you. You received whatever the gift was, ministry gift. Maybe it was a baptism of of fire and the speaking in tongues. I don't know what it was, but Paul and Timothy knew what it was. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I know you well enough to know that whatever that thing that was a roaring flame in you used to be, it's dying out. And I love you, son. You need to fan it back into flame. So very quickly, I find that Paul through writing Timothy reveals that it is on us It is on the individual Christian to take ownership of the issue of a dying flame. Now, excuse me, he goes on in verse seven and this is, he attaches what was going on with Timothy with this drying up, this dying flame, this, this ebbing out of Timothy's spiritual power. He connects it in verse seven to the spirit of fear. He says, Timothy fan into flame, that gift that's inside of you, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. So the spirit of fear does not come from God. It doesn't. And I'm going to tell you the difference between a healthy fear and a spirit of fear in a moment. But I want you to know this. If you're living in a spirit of fearfulness, if you are afraid regularly, if you dread regularly, if you're constantly fatalistic, if it's very often doom and gloom, if you're paralyzed by indecision, if you are stuck in a rut that you've known you've been in for a long time, but you're afraid to try something to get out of it, those can all be symptoms of the spirit of fear. And that doesn't come from God. That is not God's portion for you. So that's actually good news. like Because you don't like it. When, you, when you're in a season of a spirit of fear, if you've lived that way your whole life, I know you don't like it. So the good news is, is God doesn't like it either. And it, like God's not mad at you about it. But he's waiting on your proactive stepping up and saying, I have to get free from this father. And so he says, Timothy, that spirit of fear is not from God because God gives us a spirit of power, spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind or self-control. So in other words, listen to this. In opposition and in contrast to the spirit of fear, God actually wants you proactive assertive in a very holy way confident the will of God for his children is that we would be proactively living the life that he's calling us to by faith that we would put one foot in front of the other daily and we would live with power spiritual power that is motivated by spiritual love agape love the love of God And that we would be um, literally confident because we are in self-control. And what that means for the Christian is we're cooperating with the spirit so that our lives aren't all over the map. So very quickly, because a lot of people um, were raised in a climate of fear. You go back to your home life growing up. Maybe you had a parent that was dominated by the spirit of fear and that got passed on to you. It's kind of like spiritual osmosis. It got into you. And so you had patterned before you as a child, always be afraid, always be careful. Um, by the way, I'll just say this. I had a mom like that. Um, my mom would take us to the beach and refuse to let us go in over our, our, our kneecaps because surely you get in over your kneecaps and the shark's going to eat you. And so, you know, I had stuff like that my whole life. There was always a boogeyman behind the next corner, and you always had to be careful. And um, it's just a suffocating way for a young person to live. And so I imbibed that. I lived very fearfully for a long time. I just masked it with drugs and alcohol and became the life of the party. But in essence, I was just very afraid. I was a a very afraid teenager, and uh, up until the point I got saved. And so there is that type of fear that came through your family line, and that's got to get broken off. But I want to be careful here because not all fear is bad. Now, spirit of fear is always bad, but God has actually hardwired us in our physiological, our biological, even our intellectual. There are some things that we need to be afraid of. So you need to be afraid of a hot stove because you don't want to touch that. You should fear the pain and the damage that fire or or heat, intense heat can do to you. You you need to fear somebody who is um, acting in a way that maybe they are staring you down. Maybe they are leering. Maybe they're following you in a dark alley. You know, obviously there are legitimate things of fear. It's that adrenaline, that fight or flight. Um, you, you, you want to be, I say it this way, you, you need to be, have a certain level of fear before you blindly run out into an intersection on foot. You know, a proper healthy understanding that if you get struck by a car, it will do severe damage to you will promote a certain kind of fear that is more like caution rather than dread. But there are healthy instincts. God has hardwired us to have appropriate fear that is actually a God given protective measure. And so it, there is a sense of being cautious and alert that is, that is valid, but a lot of people don't know where to draw the line. And so they are cautious to a level that becomes a spirit of fear. They're afraid of everything. Every person that glances at them is somebody leering at them and following them into a dark alley when that's actually not the case. Um, every intersection where they're going to step off the curb that, you know, a spirit of fear says you better not do it because there's going to be a truck coming at hundred miles an hour. You're not going to have time to react. So don't cross the intersection. That's a spirit of fear. It's that dread. And that is not the healthy fear that God gives us that protects us from legitimate dangers. Then you've got the, the often repeated phrase, the fear of the Lord in the Bible. Now, a lot of people are afraid of God. That is not the appropriate expression of the fear of the Lord. You're not supposed to be afraid of God. He's not a, a tyrant that's going to fly off the handle and smash you into smithereens. That's an unhealthy fear. But there is a sense of an appropriate fear of the Lord where you are awestruck by Him. You know that He is sovereign, He is Lord, He is God. You know that he does not play around with sin. You know, you're aware in scripture, it says he will discipline us as his children if we choose to act in ways that are independently of him. And so we, we recognize his grandeur, his supremacy, his lordship. That's an appropriate fear of the Lord. But again, it, it cannot be allowed to cause you to be phobic towards God. Afraid that he's going to get you if you make a mistake. Afraid that he's just going to... Today's the day where he finally gives up on you because you've committed that same sin again and he is done with you and out comes the wrath of God. That is not of the Lord. But in the same sense... We don't want to sin against him because we recognize his holy nature. We recognize his love. We recognize that he's given us victory over every single type of temptation, so we don't have to sin. So we fear in a certain sense that we might do something that draws his displeasure, but it's not a fear of wrath and punishment. Do you remember what the apostle John wrote? This verse pops into mind in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. So then... Love has not been made perfect in those who are afraid because fear has to do with torment or punishment. First John 4, 18, you can look that up, but the Bible says that when you are perfected, you're mature, you are grown up in the love of God, you won't dread him. You won't live in a dreadful fear of God because his perfect love will drive that out of you. You'll always remain aware of his holiness and his His call upon our lives to walk in holiness. But you will not say, oh no, I have come up short of the holiness. I need to hide from God because he's going to get me. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And what they found is God was not looking for them in the garden so he could destroy them. He was looking for them in the garden where they were hiding after their sin so that he could atone for their sins by sacrificing that animal and wrapping them in the skins of that slain sacrificial beast. So fear has to do with torment. And the devil and his demons are tormentors. And so coming back to this issue of the spirit of fear... It can get in you in a lot of different ways. Um, it, it could be thousands of ways, literally. And it's incumbent upon you. And usually with the help of somebody who can guide you, a mentor, even in best case scenario, a solid biblically grounded Christian counselor can help you find out where did that spirit of fear get in you and what is it doing to your life? How do you know, by the way, how, how could you diagnose if you're literally living with a spirit of fear? Well, uh, there's probably a long list of symptoms, but let me give you just a couple that I've seen in, at times in my own life, um, but I've also seen them in the lives of scores of people that we've ministered to over the years. If you're somebody who's consistently doubting um, the love of God toward you, you're consistently doubting God being good toward you, then you're probably on some level cooperating in an agreement with the spirit of fear. Like if you just can't fathom that he's really not only good in the general sense, but good to you, not only does he want to bless you, prosper you, provide for you, guide you, enlighten you, strengthen you. Not only does he want to do that, but he wants to do it 24 seven all day, every day. And he doesn't back off of that desire of his when you fail. But if you are performance driven, I've got to do all this stuff because I got to keep God loving me. There's some spirit of fear that's gotten in there because you're actually not believing that God relates with you like he said he would, which is grace. Not according to what you deserve. We'd all be in trouble if he treated us like we deserve. But he meets you on the merits of his love and grace. Not the merits of your performance so a constant performance mentality i gotta i gotta do the song and dance i gotta do the right thing all the time so that god will keep loving me the spirit of fear has clouded you on that one um in extreme cases people that are they isolate they withdraw they've gotten burned and so their solution is they will not connect with people Um, these people can often have what they would consider a, a healthy relationship with god They've said, I don't need the church. I I don't need Christians. I don't need people. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to listen to my worship music. I'm going to pray and me and God, we're safe. This is great. Well, let me just tell you, a spirit of fear will always seek to isolate you from people because the enemy knows that when we're connected as a body, we're much more likely to overcome his agenda for our lives isolated people talk to themselves all the time and all the enemy's got to do is start twisting your own internal words and you'll start believing his lies and it'll sound like you talking to you or God talking to you and so isolation is always a tactic of the spirit of fear isolate don't trust people don't be around people don't put your neck out there don't risk it again you've been wounded you've been burned and then the enemy will even lie to you and say God's the only one that you can trust you don't want to have anything to do with people. Those people are all dangerous. They're all harmful. You need a safe place. You heard me right. Sometimes the enemy will, will isolate you and even try to give you to give yourself permission just to free, to be you and God because the enemy knows. Like Even in the natural order, Jesus referred to the enemy um, and those that serve the enemy as wolves and, of course, we're sheep. And in the natural order of things, a wolf, when he's going on an attack, will usually uh, seek out the sheep that is the most distance from the flock. Because the shepherd's with the flock, and if a sheep strays from the flock, he's straying from the shepherd, and they're vulnerable. And so isolation is a tactic of the enemy, and it's also typically a symptom of the spirit of fear. If you're isolating, friends, you need to break off of that. You need to get back connected to Christians and other people, because isolation is a, a Clear component of the spirit of fear. Here's one that people don't like to think about a lot. If you're living, if your life is driven by the accumulation of money and possessions because those things make you feel safe, you're operating in a spirit of fear, you're scrambling you're having to preserve yourself protect yourself you're having to insulate yourself nothing can touch me if I get enough money if i get enough stuff if i build enough thick layers around me then I'll have all this stuff and I'll never lose it and I'll be safe and even if you know all hades breaks loose on earth and the the systems collapse I've got I've got this I've got this to protect me I've got this and and a lot of people that have to accumulate wealth and they can't be generous they can't be giving they can't give their time they can't give their money they can't give their You know, availability and serve and things like that. It's because they're they're hoarders, and they're they're, hoarders are all driven by fear of losing or not having enough. People also who are controlling—that's a symptom of the spirit of fear. If you've got to control people, if you've got to control circumstances, if if everything has to be in alignment with the system that you've set up, and anything that breaks out and causes you a sense of disorder, and it causes you then to respond by controlling. Got to control things. That's a spirit of fear. Control is the symptom of fear. Because when you've got to control it, it means you're lacking faith. It means that you're trusting more in your ability to properly align everything than you are trusting in God's ability to still bless you when things are out of alignment. You're exhausted. If you're controlling all the time, if you're having to control everything, I'm just going to prophesy. It's not even hard. You're exhausted. And by the way, so is everybody around you. And so the controlling people have a fear of things getting out of order, and if things get out of order, they won't know what's coming. So they try to over-order their lives, and they try to control people. It's all again a symptom of fear. If you're a person who's fatalistic, meaning you say to yourself internally, "Ah, that's never going to work. Nothing's going to help. Why try? Why bother? We're doomed." That is a spirit of fear. A fatalistic mindset is when you have come into full agreement with the spirit of fear. And at that point, you're shackled in and you've got to get delivered from that. And again, I am saying that there are times where this is the actual proactive agenda of a demon in your life to bring you into further levels of bondage to fear, dread, and phobias. And I'm not even getting into the, you know, the psychological world of phobias. I mean, good night. I, I'm, I'm just a believer. Yes, there are some there are some physiological issues that can bring about phobias, but I live. I'm, I'm a spirit living in a material world. In other words, I'm a. I have a spirit. The real me, the real you. You're you're actually a spiritual being living in a body. You're not primarily physical. You're primarily spiritual, and so when I'm looking at this issue of the spirit of fear, I'm saying yes, these physiological things can be a component of it, but there's actually a demonic agenda that will seek to bring you into further bondage. Um, and then let me just kind of wrap up here. Um, I'm, the one thing I'm not doing is telling you how to get absolutely free. I'm going to give you some resources at the end here in a minute, but I'm, I'm just trying to help you diagnose. Are you living in a spirit of fear? Is, are, are you coming into agreement in your life with a demonic agenda and assignment to bring you into a captivity of fear? Because fear and faith don't walk hand in hand. And so if you're living by fear, you're not living by faith. And the life of the Christian is a life to be lived victoriously by faith. You know, that depressing dread that just covers some people. And the the pinnacle is is the spirit of fear will have you thinking, I'm not going to make it to heaven when I die. I'm going to go to hell. I'm trying so hard, but God's going to reject me. I'm not going to make the cut. There's no way I'm doomed. I've I've probably committed the unpardonable sin. And you live under that weight of, oh, I've just got to be better. I've got to do better. I've got to try harder. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not obedient enough. And that thing that makes you look at you more than you look at God, you look at your lack more than you look at God's bounty that will produce And it will maintain the spirit of fear in you. So friends, one of the things that I would encourage you to do, uh, this is how I've overcome short seasons of fear in my life. I fill my life with the word of God. I don't watch or listen to things that initiate panic or fear or combat my faith. Um, People get mad at me sometimes. And I I mean it, actually, people get mad at me because I don't jump on every political bandwagon. Every four years, I don't set my Bible aside and, you know, pick up an elephant or a donkey. And people get upset with me because they want their spiritual leader to, you know, make a big stand. Well, I mean, I vote every four years, but uh, I preach the biblical principles. And if you're informed in the Bible, you probably ought to know how to vote every four years if you're listening to the word of God. But um, I'm not looking for Washington, D.C. to settle all my fears. I stay in the word, so I don't listen to stuff that causes me to dread and fear. I don't spend five hours a day listening to the news. I don't spend one hour a day listening to the news. I'll scan the headlines. I'll pray through some of them. and But I go about my business. So I, I eliminate channels of fear that come into my life through media. I don't listen to music that's depressing and fatalistic and doom and gloom and self-oriented. Why are you listening to that stuff? No wonder you're depressed. Cut it out. Like literally, <laughs> Lucifer was a, a, a worship leader in heaven, best we can tell. From Ezekiel 28, he's got a musical ministry. You don't think he's working in that. Be careful what you're listening to. And I don't hang around with people that are all doom and gloom and the sky is falling. I just don't do it. And that's, that's, the, that's probably the, the preventative measures. But the proactive measures are this. I stay in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Listen to Preaching. Maybe be preaching to the choir right here because you're listening to a Christian podcast right now, but listen to preaching and, and preaching that makes God big as he is instead of making man big or making, you know, um, the circumstances in the world so big that you forget how big God is. And then ultimately there are many occasions in life for many people where you need help. You can't get out of it. So there's Christian counseling. And what you need to do is you need to get on the internet, get proactive, and search for a Christian counselor in your area and ask that man or that woman, what are your credentials? What do you believe about the word of God? Do you believe in the authority of the word of God? Do you believe in the work and the operation of the Holy Spirit? And you let them walk you through and you can trace down where the spirit of fear was welcomed in. For a lot of us, it was childhood. And then there are certain occasions, guys, where you've got to get delivered. That means you've got to break off the demon. You've got to cast it off or cast it out, whatever one you're more comfortable with. But that thing's got to go. And in order to do that, you have to walk in authority and you have to walk in trusting the word of God more than you trust what you feel. And a lot of times the um, way to do that is by um, going through a session of deliverance. I've done it and I'm not too too ashamed to admit it. I'm very glad I did it. My wife has done it. Uh, people on the staff and ministries I serve in, they do it. Um, and it's simply this. I do, I'll do whatever it takes to get the enemy's lies out of my life. and Get the enemy's hand off of my life. and Get the enemy away from me. And the Lord will rebuke them. And we submit to the Lord. And we resist the devil. And the Bible says he flees. But you got to make up your mind that it's important enough. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the listeners today, for every man or woman or young person that is struggling underneath the spirit of fear. I pray you'd move in right now with hope. Holy Spirit, bring hope right now to their hearts. Let them know this season's coming to an end, that fear has got to go. Let them know that you're for them and not against them. Let them know right now, Lord, that the thing they dread is small to you. That you're ready to partner with them. You're ready to move. You're ready to get in there in the midst of that thing and and evict it out of their hearts, minds, and souls. God, cleansing power, cleansing fire, cleansing hope. Come right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless them not to go through another long season believing this is just the way things are, but that they can get free because you have not given us the spirit of fear, but you've given us power, love, and self-control. And Lord, we align with you by faith right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, listen, if you are interested in knowing some actual resources for deliverance ministry, hit me up with an email at jeff at maverickmisfit.com, jeff at maverickmisfit.com, and I will do my very best to point you in the right direction. We'll talk to you next time. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.